and welcome to episode 95 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is Steven. I didn't realize I was on mute miring. For the first run of the intro. I decided I'm going to start calling you... The other one was pretty good. (laughs) I'm going to start calling you Faded Robert instead of Pale Robbie. How does that sound? Faded Robert? Well, it's sort of like pale, I guess. I don't know. I can't think of a good synonym for pale. Why call me Faded? Faded Robert? I don't know. Like Faded Glory Jeans from Walmart. Because you pale. Oh, my God. Seriously, Derek, we're going to judge him that much. Her faded I glory jeans from Walmart? Yes. I didn't, I didn't say I bought them. I just said that they exist. That's fair. Oh, jeez. Okay, that's uh, Derek Devil Survivor Heemsbergen. Hey, that's a cool one. Thank you. Did you Derek just come up with Devil that Survivor? <laughs> and you get faded glory. Well, this I called you ridiculous. Swallow Meyerink at the start here, but... Oh, can we switch now, I, now, I, Actually, now I don't feel bad about calling you Faded Glory. No, it's uh, okay. Steven and I can just switch. Um, oh it's a uh-huh. Witcher potion, by the way. Yeah, it's a Witcher potion. Not a not a Just like the Swallow potion. But actually, it's We need to back away from all of this. Yo, what's up? I'm Derek Kingsberg and Embryon on the boards, and I bought a lot of Amiibos today, and I hate myself a little bit. Stop doing that! I may or may not have bought the three-pack. Both of you, stop it! I bought, I mean, I'm going to go to GameStop in the morning and get it, because they're holding it for me. I bought all of them. <laughs> you bought all of them. <laughs> I, I bought at the at the at the university bookstore. They have like one of those like we throw everything in here that we need to get rid of. That's like nine hundred percent off. And they had from the nineteen nineties two Sonic and Tails figures in like a little gachapon box. And they're like the nineteen nineties versions of Sonic and Tails, and they're adorable. And I bought them for five dollars. And she's being very quiet, but we also have Caitlin Cat Argyros. Oh, God, you had... I knew oh, that was going to come there. I get it. it. It was easy. Oh. Yeah. Well, wait, that, that's not fair. Everybody can't have a Witcher potion but me. Just because I don't like the Witcher that much. What are other potions? Uh, Tawny Owl. Derek Tawny Owl Heemsbergen. Derek Black Blood. Ooh. Moon Dust. Ooh. Derek hmm. Dancing Star. Or if you Wait, prefer, those are Dragon bombs. Speed. Yeah, those, those are bombs. bombs. That, those are bombs. Uh, and, uh, Derek came you. in like a wrecking bomb. What? Yeah, and Steven, <laughs> thank you for pointing out the Moon Dust bomb because that's making life a hell of a lot easier in this game. So, Ladies and gentlemen, Robert Steinman did not read the bestiary clearly because he fought a boss that very clearly said... It's incorporeal. Use something to make it corporeal without doing so. Well, and so what I was using was the Yarden sign trap, which was so, working just fine. But then I I got the moon dust. Anywho, let's 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 introduce Witcher Three before we we start going down this route. Okay. It's Witcher so, Three. It's a game that Rob and I wanted to not like, so we could talk about how Bloodborne is better, but we both <laughs> like it. So Witcher 3 Wild Hunt is out. Uh, the fine people at CD Projekt Red who gave us tons of beer and bottled Coke at E3. So, of course, we are not biased at all in this situation. Uh, they have released a monster of an RPG on us. And, dear Christ, this game has taken over my life. I've, how many hours has everybody put into it? I've, I've, I'm at 30. You know, I'm not sure. My thing says I've played for over six days. I don't think I have Whoa. <laughs> that long, but it's definitely been like upwards of 48, 50 hours already, oh, and Hitler. I haven't even gone to Novigrad yet. What level are you? Holy crap. I just hit 12. Oh, okay, okay. reporting, so yeah. Uh, I'm doing a lot of side quests and exploring, and okay. oh my god. The world is huge, the world, in a good way. The world is really big. Um... 
So I, I think what struck me most about Witcher 3 from the very start, so Witcher 2, uh, good lord, I feel old now. That came out in, what, 2011? Because that's when I got my new computer. Uh, Witcher and if 2... You, and if you don't custom build your next one, I'm going to slap you. Shut up. I'm going to drag you from Japan here, and you can help me put it together while we drink really good scotch, all right? All right. Sounds like a plan. Uh, so Witcher 2 to me was like a game that I liked, but I didn't love. And... Something that didn't gel with me real well is I thought it was going to be a hell of a lot more open when I first played Witcher 2. So you have like kind of a three-act uh, story progression where you're in one area and you have some side quests, then you go to another area, and that's the end of the first act, so on and so forth. But it never really felt open, and it, it kind of didn't feel like a playground. Like you get to the first town of Flotsam, and there's like a couple of side quests for you to do, but it just... It didn't feel very well planned out. It didn't feel as open world, but they were trying to make an open world. I so I, I, I almost feel like Witcher 2 was the beta for Witcher 3, because you get thrown into like the first giant area of Witcher 3, and it's like, all right, dude, go have fun. I So I, I really liked Witcher 2. Um, I do agree, though, and like Rock, Paper, Shotgun just published a really great review of the game that sort of sums up why I like it while still acknowledging the problems it has. Um Witcher 1 and 2 really do sort of feel like they were just, like, the first go-around for what they were trying to do with this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're, they made compromises in, like, how the potion system works because, you know, you, you don't have to meditate to take potions anymore. Thank you, and, God! You know, those, yeah, things allow, those things allow you to still have the lore of a Witcher while be, making concessions to being a more fun game to play. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the, like, balancing toxicity with your potions is really fun during a fight because it's like... Yeah, I could go slam four awesome potions, but then I'm going to start bleeding out and turn into a nightmare veiny monster thing. And then um, you throw decoctions into the mix, and then yeah, you really have to it's, j- balance things around. Well, that's the thing. is like It's a form of progression that's not directly tied to your leveling that gives you a lot of really interesting options and choices. Like, you know, if you're, having, if you're wanting to fight a certain way or do a certain thing, it's like... It's like Again, I've been say, I've been running like a broken record on this, but it's an interesting form of resource management mm-hmm. that makes the combat more than just click, 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 click. Because the core combat, again, I will make a concession to Rob here. We're not going to talk about combat yet. We're not going like, to talk. Yeah, we're not going to talk about combat. Yeah, like the core combat has, you know, we'll talk about that. But yeah, you know, the with the potions working the way they do now, and with food, and just you know, again, because the inventory system is a mess, but the the gameplay systems that it powers are really great. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, so when you're out in a fight, it's like now with the signs are more useful. I'm playing on the hardest difficulty, blah, blah, blah. We knew that. But like, I feel oh, did like you pump it up to death March. Yeah, I, I did right after I beat a, a boss really easily. Uh, and I was like, it was, you know, um, I'm oh, I'm so surprised that I, no one. Hey, ever... I, no, hey, no, I, I'm... Tried, I tried to start on a lower difficulty and I just, I, it was too easy. So I, were you, fun. Uh, I'm actually, I, I you it's guys, not that hard. it's honestly not that hard of a game though. That's the thing. No, it, it, I'm, I'm on the second highest difficulty and I'm feeling like I need to pump it up to death March because I, uh, it, so, uh, it's uh, like the, the Witcher two where like yeah. Witcher two is really difficult in the beginning and then becomes almost laughably easy on any difficulty. Yeah. I mean, you, you get super powered up. Um, so, um, and that happens in this one too. The curve is a little less abrupt, but like Geralt gets very strong. And so, like, on, like I want to keep having to make use of all the interesting systems in the game. Like, I want to have to read the bestiary and be like, all right, what kind of potions and bombs can I use on this character, on this enemy? And, like, again, you could say that the core difficulty should ch- make you do that, and I agree with that argument. 
but it doesn't. So by playing on the harder mode, it's like, yeah, I can I can sit there and be like, all right, what am I going to bring to this fight? How am I going to prepare? Like, it makes things a little more strategic, and I like that. Mm-hmm. There's a couple things that they do that are really smart that Steven kind of mentioned briefly, but I, I kind of want to bring him back up. First off, I didn't feel in Witcher 2 like I was a witcher. As silly as that may sound, I didn't feel like I was a witcher. I felt like I was a political pawn. And that's the story that they wanted to tell, but that never gelled with me real well. I'm like, dude, I am a monster hunter. Like, I am supposed to be, like, running around, fixing people's problems, finding myself in all sorts of weird, crazy shenanigans, tracking down monsters, and there's a little bit of that in Witcher 2. But a lot of Witcher 2 is you following around, like, far more important people and kind of being, like a yes man or like a, a sellsword, which is cool. I like that gameplay, but I didn't feel like a witcher. And well, then... it was a different, it was a different dynamic because the right. first game is very much like Geralt kind of rolls in on a crime syndicate and like things are happening. Um, but it's very like localized and like you still sort of felt like a witcher. Whereas I agree in two, it's very much like you are the, you know, these kinds of stories are interesting, but it got away from the the book style of like Geralt is sort of this like rogue samurai like without a master who's like rolling into towns and fighting monsters and solving problems and then bouncing. Yeah, and and they do another really smart thing, which is I didn't want to witches. <laughs> I didn't want to futz around with all of the the oils and the potions and the bombs in Witcher Two because it was so much like okay, I need to go out and like pick three daffodils so I can make this one bomb, and if I use it, I have to go back out and pick three more goddamn daffodils. What they do, oh yeah yeah what they do was... now is if you have certain alcohols in your inventory, which you will find all over the environment, when you meditate, it will just re up all the charges on all your like your health potions and your bombs. So you're not doing nearly as much crafting. So now that is making me play more like a Witcher. I'm like okay, I, I am okay to use some of these potions and stuff because I got all these freaking reserves back at home. Well, and yeah, it, and, like, I, your oils are unlimited now. It's just like, yeah, yeah, you have this oil. It's a matter of being prepared to use it. Yeah, that is so... That that has made me really embody the role of playing as a professional monster hunter more than anything else in this game. And I was actually struggling at the start of the game because I didn't want to play like that. I was like, I don't want to go out and pick for acorns and stuff. But then when Steven was like, no, 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 no. You skip through the 30,000, you know, uh, tutorial lessons, which to anybody who starts this game, you I have, have to get past the first few hours. You have to get through the first couple of hours. Cause this and game... not that it's not fun, but like they, it's the exact same problem Type Zero has, where it's like, here's 800 million things you have to learn to do all at once. Yeah, th- this game does not introduce all of its systems in a very good way. It- it's definitely better than Witcher 2, which just originally, before the Enhanced Edition, just threw you to the wolves and said, figure it out, and you're not doing any damage to enemies, and you're dying in two hits, like, what is going on here? It's better than that, but there are so many systems, and they're all interlaced. I mean, as Steven was texting me the other day, one of the coolest things in this game is it has a materia system, and it doesn't freaking tell you that it has a materia system in it. Well, that's the, you know, that's the thing is like, and again, I, I'm going to keep quoting people back to the Rock, Paper, Shotgun review I just read, read, but it really did articulate how I felt about the game well, is that it has so many systems and different things that in another game like Dragon Age, and again, I didn't suddenly decide I hate Dragon Age, I still think Inquisition's a great game, but in that game, they'd be like, here's 
400 messages about this system and it's on the back of the box and we talk about it endlessly and and the NPCs talk about sort of sideways discussions of how the systems in the games work. Whereas The Witcher's like, yeah, we have a reactive world, but we're not going to say anything about it. And we have materia, we're not going to say anything about it. And, you know, you can we have literally materia configuration with your abilities and your mutagens. We're not going to say anything about it. Like, the game has all of these systems that they just sort of are like, yeah, we have it, and it's fully fleshed out, and it works. And it's like, wow, that would have been great to know. Mm-hmm. And, and coming off of a title like Bloodborne, which I think did a much better job of explaining those systems, and that's one of the reasons why a lot of people didn't get into the Souls games, it's kind of like Bloodborne sort of figured it out and pared down its mechanics to its core essence, while Witcher, which is great that it has all these mechanics, it doesn't really tell you how to use them that well. Like it, And that's, that's a problem with the early going of this game. But once you start getting into a real groove, like Caitlin was talking about, you just end up like just running around the world just like, I, I need to go over here. There, something's over here. I'm going to go over and like play around with this, play around with that. And you know yeah. what that stems from is... You know what that stems from is that um, it sort of reminds me of almost Morrowind and I'm stealing somebody else's words here, but the game does not feel like the content is copy-pasted. Like, again, I love Dragon Age Inquisition. I think it's a great game. But Dragon Age Inquisition, you do eventually run into a feeling of copy-pasted, like, hey, look, another tomb with a box in it. Whereas The Witcher... every Yeah, everything in The Witcher feels hand-placed, because it is. Um, You know, like the smallest Witcher contract. It's like, go hunt a monster. It's never just go kill monster. It's always like... You have to investigate and learn about what you're fighting and prepare for it. And, like, there are characters involved in every single one. Like, oh, yeah, like, this monster showed up and someone dragged a kid off and we need to find the child. And, you know, we we thought we think it's this monster, but then it turns out to be a different monster. And I'm not even, like, qualifying that with most of the time. Every single quest is like that. Every quest feels like something that, like, is thought out. Like, you know, a lot of them break down into use your witcher senses to solve the mystery. Which is, you know, that at a certain point you have to have that. Um, but the thing is, A, that core thing is fun. And it's never a simple cut and dry, like, go find the monster, kill it, okay, you're done. Caitlin, you were trying to get in there a little bit? Uh, yeah, well, I think talking about Dragon Age compared to this, it's, you know, inevitable, I think. Because they are kind of similar in the, what they were trying to achieve, having a, an open world or open world-ish experience and having player-driven story choices. But it's kind of... It's hard to, after playing this game, to look at Dragon Age and feel the same way about it. I still, like Steven, really love the game. But, man, the amount of content and interesting content and well-written content in this game makes me look at Dragon Age and kind of, like... I can see the flaws in Dragon Age a yeah. lot more now. In retrospect, it makes, like, again, I, like I said 400 times, I still like Dragon Age, but it makes me look back and be like, oh, wow, The Witcher did this better. Yeah. Um, like, things that I didn't even realize weren't done well, like, you know, um, I, forgot, I forgot what I was going to say. Something I mean, it has, it has some elements of open-world-itis where you have question marks on the map and you have to explore things, and some of them are rather more mundane things like destroying a monster nest Mm -hmm. or taking out a band of bandits and that, you know, that kind of thing is there, but there's just so much that's actually, it has cutscenes, it has characters, it has a story, plot elements. You go out in the world 
you can go, you can try to do main stories, but you're going to encounter lots of meaningful side quests along the way just by virtue of like heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And almost none of it feels like it's a throwaway, like go collect five of this or kill ten of these enemies or things like that. They all have meaning for your character and for the world that you inhabit, and they all contribute to the creation of that world and make it feel more like an actual realized fantasy world. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a fair number of bandit camps and probably too many at the start of the game when I was still figuring out how to play it, so I, I was getting a little down on it. It's funny, I feel like Steven was starting down on it and I was starting high on it, and we kind of shifted, and now we've come back into agreement. Like, yeah, like, I was raging on Twitter when I was first playing. I was like, I can't believe how janky this is and, like, how clunky some of the controls feel. And, you know, and, and again, those are all problems that I would say are still there. I mean, the patches have mitigated the clunkiness a little bit for me. But, like, it's not perfect. Like, there's a lot of, like, systemic problems, I would argue. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of where, like... I kind of want Derek to jump in here a little bit because, Derek, you were saying that you weren't quite digging on it, and I'm not putting you on the spot and not starting an argument, but I kind of want to get your read on it a little bit because there was a, there was a time where I was hating this game. Like, I was yeah. actively disliking it. Yes, we know. <laughs> and it could be that I haven't gotten to the part where it's opened up enough for me. Um, I mean, I've done, like, the introductory quests. Like, I fought the Griffin and... Um, I got to the the following town after watching the cinematics, and that's as far as I've gotten. But I think um, Witcher 3 occupies an interesting position because it's one of those games that I can look at and can see very clearly why people like it as much as they do. And those same mechanics aren't things that I think are bad. They're just things that don't align with what I'm looking for in my games. Like, in my my RPG experience, that's not the kind of thing that I want. Um... Like, I, I'm generally not into open-world stuff at all. Mm-hmm. And it has to... T- it, it takes a very special narrative or special characters um, or setting to really get me into it. Like, that's um, the reason why a game like Xenoblade works so well for me is because it marries the kind of aesthetic I like and and combat and other designs that I like with an open-world setting. Whereas Witcher 3 feels like the same kind of open-world I've experienced before and not really been into. Like, I didn't like Skyrim um dragon age inquisition i'm actually okay with because i think it's a little bit but i think there's more variety in um the characters i mean like in witcher 3 you're just playing as Geralt by himself and he's he's a great character i guess i just liked um inquisition because i liked the relationship building between the party members yeah and i haven't gotten far enough in witcher yet to see like how triss is and everything because i I played a little bit of witcher 2 and I, i also didn't love it so much so what I would say to that, Derek, and again, not to push you into being like, you should like the game. Um, the game definitely for me was like, you know, when I was sort of like down on it on Twitter and like on the boards was very much in that area that you've played. From there, um, I actually think the narrative is one of its strongest points. And that's why I do like it, because there are a lot of really interesting characters. It's very like I would actually challenge it being like Skyrim early on. I could definitely see that 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 getting that vibe. Um, yeah, it definitely doesn't it, feel as the... aimless as Skyrim for sure. Yeah, like, it, it has this odd thing where it has the focus of a linear narrative. Um, it doesn't seem like it in that first area, because that first area is very much like, wander around, do stuff, and there's not really a whole lot to do there other than, like, explore and look at, like, these things. Um, it's sort of the opposite of Dragon Age Inquisition, where the first area is giant and interesting, and you want to just be there the whole game. Here, it's like, you know, you want to get out of that, you want to get out of White Orchard, I think it's called White Orchard, and get to Velen, because that's yeah. where a lot of really interesting stories happen. 
So, like, I do hope you continue playing. And maybe maybe it won't change your mind, but I actually think that the the complaints, not necessarily the complaints, but the things that you're not liking right now are the same things I wasn't liking. Because I'm also not that big on Skyrim. Like, I feel like it's right. very much like I'm just sort of meandering around and dicking off in the woods and not – I'm not engaged by what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. Right. Whereas well, The Witcher, that. I'm like – sorry, go ahead. Well, there, that's not – I mean, like, that's that's the thing that I can see, again, that maybe it just isn't in line with my tastes and I can't actually – criticize it as game design like that's fine that's just not what i like to do the the thing that i really don't like about it is i just i feel like the control is really janky and i haven't gotten much of a feel for the combat and i know that this comparison has been made by a lot of people because we just came off of a game like bloodborne that has incredibly precise control and to play a game like witcher where it feels like girl is always kind of like a second behind what i'm trying to make him do um like like his rob was mentioning that he hates the momentum that he has when he's running and that mm-hmm. kind of bugs me too um i i always feel like when i'm trying to move quickly in the game like he gets caught on steps and stairs which are the same thing um he gets caught on steps he gets caught on ledges like i feel like there's a lot of weird jank when i'm trying to maneuver around anything but a flat environment mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I don't like the feel of it and i also don't feel like combat control is incredibly precise I definitely, I definitely agree with it. Like, and I had those exact same vibes at first. Like, that was why I was like, "Oh my god, this game is like, it feels so loose and sort of weird." Um, and maybe I got used to it, or maybe it changed in the patch. I don't know. But like, I, I do feel like it's tighter. It definitely has. Let's let's coin the term animationitis, mm-hmm. where like Geralt gets into animations. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely feel like it's tightened up, and I, you know, it could just be me getting used to it. But um, I, I had those same problems. Because it's like, you know, at first, it's you know, you'll be jumping on stuff and Geralt sort of like wobbles around on the environment and like weird things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's just jank. Yeah, it, he's it, it's weird. I, I saw a, a, a video somebody did who, who was saying, you know, the combat is is just terrible in Witcher 3 and here's why. And I, I think the person actually brought up a good point. So I think we can we can take the movement article, the movement com, uh, complaints and kind of move into the combat here a little bit. I, I still don't think CD Projekt can decide what they want the combat in Witcher to be. In Witcher 2, in my review for that game, I said, I feel like this game is trying to be Batman and trying to be Devil May Cry, because Dark Souls wasn't out at the time, so like I, I wasn't going to say Demon Souls. But it, I was like, it, this game can't decide if it wants to be Batman or Devil May Cry. Like In Batman, Batman's moves are linked to the enemies so like when you start a combat animation when you do like a counter your animation locks up with an animation for the enemy and you both can you do like a two-person animation in devil may cry like each sword swing that dante makes is independent of the movements of the enemy Geralt moves like he's going to be like Batman, but his animations are completely separate from the animations of the enemies unless you're in a kill animation, unless you're doing like one of the the like super uber death moves that are yeah, yeah, like... on default in this game by by design. Well, countering's also connected though, especially at least against human opponents. Yeah, it like, is... I I, f- I feel like countering is definitely reliable. But, like, there are times where it's, like, you know, you're sort of, like, it's this weird, like, you're floating at them and they're floating at you and, uh, you know, like, nothing. It, again, it's it, the best way to say it is it's not Bloodborne. No. I'm going to say, though, I can reliably parry in this game. So yeah, I like I, it. 
Yeah, I agree completely. The parrying, I can reliably parry. The, the parrying window is very friendly, and I, I actually don't parry that often. I tend to just hammer on the attack button or throw my telekinetic push to knock a guy down and stab him. That, that push, I feel like, is... Okay, so here's another thing that goes on with the jank in the game. I have had times where the freeze rune on my weapon that is a 3% chance to freeze will freeze everybody on every attack for like five minutes randomly. Or I had another time where every time I used Axie on a guy, like the, the hypnosis thing, I would then do an ultimate counter kill animation for like five minutes. Something really weird is going on with the random num number generator in this game where it seems to get stuck at 100% randomly. Where all of a sudden I am now like Geralt, I'm killing level 20 enemies at level 10, and then if well, I try I to do, do it again on a reload, I can't do it. Like, I, I mean, like, I'm stunning an enemy and I'm automatically killing them, and then if I reload the game, all of a sudden that stops. Like, there is a lot of jank in the game, but I, I think to get back to the combat real quick, I really just, I, I feel like Geralt is just kind of what Derek's saying, he's taking all of my moves as suggestions, and I think that, and I think <laughs> this good, yeah. <laughs> I think this game violates one of my biggest problems with an action game, which is Geralt to animation. Well, it, it it plays into the animation. Geralt and the enemies do not play by the same rules. And that really frustrates me. So you can be hitting an enemy who is in there like, oh, I'm stunned animation, and all of a sudden they get their sword up real quick. And now they're parrying you. Meanwhile, if Geralt gets hit by one drowner, he has to finish his animation of, oh my god, I got hurt. Which means that you can be ping-ponged back and forth between drowner attacks, and you can die very fast. Like, all of a sudden, you're just like, ping, bing, 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 dead. Whereas, yeah, so I, I will yeah. say, like, let, that can't let happen. me finish, Stephen. Let me finish real quick, okay? Let me finish on this. Whereas, I can hit a drowner twice, and then they get to do a bug out animation where they just get out of my range, and I literally cannot hit them because they are so far out of my range that any attack Geralt makes right now will not hit them. That to me is the enemies and Geralt playing on two different playing fields that really does annoy the piss out of me. I think I, I, I agree that that can that can sort of happen, but for me, I've never really noticed that to be an issue. Like, yeah, there's a stagger step. There's a stagger uh, trait, I guess. You know, like, and so some attacks stagger, and a lot of enemies have the ability to stagger you. And when you do, he, you know, he definitely gets into the I have to have this stagger animation, and it's hard for me to get out of it. Uh, whereas the enemies don't get staggered as much, and human enemies have stamina, so like that's why they recover so quickly. Um, so with monsters, I agree. It can sometimes be like, all right, what the heck? Why did he get to hit me there? Um, but I've actually found that using the side, like the sidestep dodge, not the roll, yes, is fully reliable. Like I can easily dodge attacks and get around behind enemies almost constantly. You know, unless I'm like not timing it right. But like, you know, I can't say I've had the issue where I'm getting like ping pong. Like if I get like ten guys on me, yeah. If I get like ten enemies on me, yeah. But um. <laughs> My problem with those large. You guys are children. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Caitlin. We're, we're he tried to, I tried to backpedal, but it was too late. Uh, it was too no, late. I had seen it. My problem with large enemy encounters is simply managing all of the enemies. And I do get ping ponged a little bit. Um, 
I don't normally, it's not normally like, oh, crap, I just, you know, got totally dead in one second and couldn't react. It's usually more like, oh, shit, I have to get out of here now. Um, I don't know that it works as well trying to manage large groups. They There's a lock-on feature, but it's Ugh. not It's not helpful. It's actually detrimental. <laughs> it's in yeah, it's yeah, I'm terrible. actually going to say straight up, like just like Final Fantasy XV, I have yeah. not used the lock-on same, feature since the I, beginning. I thought the same thing, yeah. I was like, is this episode Deske all over again? Like, what's yeah, it, it, it's... I've found that if I'm trying to specifically target one enemy, and granted, I'm using a gamepad. Steven swears by the mouse and keyboard. I tried I don't it. know how you can You're, play with a gamepad. I don't know how you can play with mouse and keyboard. Because um, I can I, aim and move the camera. I feel like you have better camera control. That's, I will that's say that. the thing that. is, with the controller, like Caitlin was saying, sometimes it's hard to keep track of enemies. That's why I can't use a controller, because it's like... Even if you raise the sensitivity of the analog stick, it's still like, I'm rotating the analog stick. Well, Whereas with me, I'm like... Const- because Geralt's forward attack is tied to whatever he's facing the mouse allows me to very quickly switch to any other target and if like there's one particular enemy i'm trying to get i can aim him towards that enemy and it's much more reliable that was the thing i i couldn't do with the controllers i was like all right his 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 like forward like his three-dimensional movement is easier with an analog stick than with a keyboard but aiming him is much more difficult I think a lot of that is fixed, and I know some some listeners are going to roll their eyes at me on this, but people have been able to on the PS4 version of the game because you can remap controls now. They've just gone in and made the game play like a Souls game, where they've put attack on R1, weak at- fast attack on R1, strong attack on R2, and now they have complete camera movement with the right analog stick at all times. And I'm sitting here like, you guys need to patch that into the PC version because having to take my thumb off of the control, uh, off of the uh, the regular buttons where I can attack and dodge and everything to then move the camera because a drowner just ran into the camera and now they're somewhere in the no man's land, like forward in Z space and I can't see him. Now having to rotate the camera around is terrible. So I I feel like that will mitigate some of my problems. I think that the other issue that I have with this game in in its combat, and don't get me wrong, the the combat, I have issues with it much the same way that I have issues with Skyrim's combat. I like this combat better in Witcher 3, don't get me wrong, and I still love this game. But there is, I know Steven's going to get really mad at me here, but I'm just going to come right out and say it. I I have no filter, I'm going to say it. There is some very kind of juvenile action game design in here that I felt in Castlevania Lords of Shadow where enemies are like, oh, I'm stunned, and then they just do a big area of effect attack. Or the uh, if you haven't fought the gargoyles yet that just jump in the air and do a slam attack that is essentially a teleport, and they just land on you for massive damage, that to me is like, okay, well, that doesn't play at all with these mechanics, and that is not fun. I like, don't disagree with ugh. your statement as a whole, but you can dodge that that jump every single time. You can, but it's I'll, not fun. If you're not if you're not watching I don't I don't understand what you mean by not fun though. That's an attack. Like but they jump if you're not watching the enemy, that's your fault for getting hit. I think that the, the that slam attack and like the water hag like throw mud in your eye attack, the enemies do it just often enough that it annoys me. Like I'm dodging it like every other attack, and I'm not 
really in it, there's something weird like there's a disconnect in the flow of battle where i'm just annoyed and also if nobody here has done the side quest where you fight a werewolf and human enemies at the same time that right there is the ultimate what is going on with this combat system because if all you right th- so if you make the mistake of hitting a human enemy, Geralt will now pull out his normal sword, and then if you hit the werewolf and now you're not doing any damage, he now pulls out his silver sword. That section was completely broken. Thankfully, it has only happened one time, but I was screaming. I was like, this does not work. So this that I could bad. definitely see as being problematic. Like, I, I, I agree that that is like, you know, what I'm like... There's really no way around that other than they can't design encounters where you fight multiple enemies. Because right, and thankfully swords. it's only like, happened once. It's only happened once, but it was really bad. I will say, and I feel like I'm in a Wygriff I played as a monk situation here, where like everybody is like, oh my god, Wygriff is so hard, and I'm like, I punched him once and he died. Uh, every single person I know that has played the game is like, oh my god, the werewolf regenerates so fast, can't kill it. I dropped the werewolf, and like I didn't even know he had a regeneration move. Well, and, and now... I- Go ahead, Caitlin, go ahead, and then I'm going to get in there. I knew that he did, and I had seen people discussing strategies. I didn't do anything special. I, I might have used an oil. I'm not sure if I had uh, cursed oil at that point. Uh, I didn't do anything special. I just wailed on him, and he died. Yeah, um, like that's. I, I used oil, and I just I hit him a bunch of times. And then later on, you get uh, a, a bomb that disables their regeneration. So. Which is great, and I love that, and I want to come to that in a second. But the werewolf, the reason people are having trouble with the werewolf fight is what happened to me. I was doing decent damage to the werewolf, but not a lot. But what happens is, when you take him down to about a third of his health, you're right on the cusp of triggering a cutscene or his health regeneration. If you are not high enough level, because the game does... We have to be fair to this game. When you fight upper-level monsters, if you're like level 10 and you go up against a level 16 or 17 monster, the game just gives them a multiplication bonus where you do almost no damage to them. Yes, you can still kill them. Yes, Steven did manage to kill a level 19 wyvern at level 10. No, no one's surprised. But they just give them a massive multiplication bonus, and they just do insane stupid damage to you where they can drop you in two hits, and you do practically no damage. Yeah, you can overcome it, but it's not pleasant. So what happened to me on the werewolf was he was regenerating 200 hit points a second, and you couldn't my, deal the damage. My DPS was 75. <laughs> so it was yeah. just like... So, so I, got, I got him to the point where I could drop him, but I backed off because he started regenerating, and then I was screwed. I came back two levels later, I devastated him because I had a new sword, and I just dropped him no problem. I was going to ask if you had upgraded your weapons. Right, because... I came back. I was actually... Uh, it, it is very much an RPG. Like you say, upgrade... do, you feel that that's a, do you feel that's a problem, though, is... Like, and I'm not asking that in an accusatory. I'm like asking, do you find that a problem or do you find that? Because for me, I really like that of like, I cannot beat this right now. It has gotten yeah. go. much better. It has gotten much better. At the beginning of the game, I was very frustrated because I was like level three and I kept running into like level 10 enemies. And I was like, okay, this is getting a little like, I, I had like flashbacks to Fallout New Vegas where I'm like, you want me to go and explore your world, but you're putting death all around me. So I need to find the path of least resistance to now upgrade my character so I can come back here. I feel I like that's one of those cases too, where like, I love since, you, Steven, but can I finish? 
<laughs> but I feel like it's gotten better as I've leveled up. I feel like now I'm level like 14. I can fight level 16, 17, 18 enemies. Yes, I have to be careful, but I feel like the tools are better. And I also feel like the game's letting me kind of play around a little bit more. I think the early going of the game was very tough, though. I, yeah, no, I actually agree with you. And I think, too, like, I, I actually compare that to your experience with Divinity. Divinity, I will say straight up, like, Divinity is a hard game to start playing because it's like, which way can I go with enemies that aren't going to kill me in one hit? Yeah. Um, but, like, I think it's also the case of, you know, you get into the game and you don't know what the rules are. Like, with Borderlands, you will never, ever kill the enemy that is six levels ahead of you. Like, yes. Yeah. Maybe because like, you cannot possibly have a weapon that will deal enough damage and the, 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 the minus damage multiplier is too much. And in Witcher, you know, you don't know the rule like, hey, even if I'm lower level, if I go get a better sword, will I be able to kill this? In Borderlands, the answer is no. In the answer in the Witcher, if you could get an awesome sword, yeah, you probably could kill that enemy. Like yeah. that's that's the way I was able to kill the Wyfern is it was like, yeah, he had a ton of HP, but I had I had a, a superior Draconid potion, which is a 50 percent damage bonus. And I had an awesome sword with a bunch of sweet runes in it. So like. I was able to damage him, but if I had a terrible sword, I would have just been hitting him all day and not done anything. So it's so, it's the case where early in the game, you don't know if you can do that or not. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I should leave and come back because I don't know if it'll be easier later or what. I don't see these as bad things. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think it's a good thing. I, that's one of my favorite parts of an RPG. It's why I find Skyrim so bland because... That that crab you fight at the beginning of the game is going to murder you just as hard at the end of the game. <laughs> right, and and whereas I, I prefer you know, you come back later. I, I definitely prefer this to Skyrim's. Like, oh my god, now the random bandits now have glass weapons. Okay, that kind of sucks. <laughs> I, <laughs> They're the most well-funded bandits in all of Skyrim. Yeah, like I, I definitely prefer this, and also I think that this game is doing it much better. It, it's more in the Fallout Three realm, where like as you get more powerful, you feel like you can push more against the world whereas fallout new vegas because of that stupid damage threshold and the fact that it just puts nothing but death around you at the start of the game except one path that then wasn't fun because it was like wow the numbers are really preventing me from doing anything i feel now around level 10 that's when witcher started to kind of open up a little bit and sort of let me play with it and tinker with it a little bit so i prefer this don't get me wrong but like it does make the first couple hours of the game pretty rough yeah no i agree completely like again it's it's sort of the case i have with a lot of very like expansive games like even divinity like at the very beginning i'm like eh, i'm not sure like it they take a little while to pick up their momentum where you're you're into that gameplay loop that you know the developers are like, this is how we want people to be playing this game. You have like you have to sort of get a running start to catch up with that loop. Mm-hmm. And I think also much better than Witcher 2, where at least in the original version of Witcher 2, I can't remember if they did it in the enhanced edition or not. Geralt is just gimped at the beginning of yeah. Witcher 2. Like he, he's got like, what, two stamina points? And yeah, like, like you can't you can't cast any spells. You can't roll. You can't block. You can't heal. Like, like he just, just sucks. Like, like he just he just sucks at everything at the beginning of Witcher Two. Like I played I played that one on whatever difficulty wasn't delete your save file because that's <laughs> dumb. Um, and like the beginning of that game is infuriating because it's like you know two random scrubs with swords, which diegetically makes no sense. Geralt should be wasting these guys. Uh, you know, walk up and like throw a rock at you and it almost kills you. Yeah. 
And and it just, it, I feel like this game is at its best, and I've started playing it more and more like this, where I'm using the signs on the monsters, like I'm using Igni, I'm using the fire spell on the Drowners, because it's really effective on them. I'm starting to play around more with those, as opposed to in Witcher 2, like, all of your magic just starts the game terrible. Like, yeah. like each one of them is just an equal level of worthless. They, and then they, you power them up, and they become god-tier. Yeah, and you know, the power-ups in this one are cool because you get the alternate forms of them. But what I like about the signs in this one is that rather than just being like, oh, this one does more damage to the enemy, they're like mechanical things. Like, why is Ard good against a wyvern? Because it pushes them out of the sky and stuns them. Yeah. Why is fire good against humans? Because it lights them on fire, then they stand there screaming and you cut their heads off. Yeah, that you that's know, when Witcher 3 is at its best. Absolutely. That's when the combat works, I think, when like you're using the signs and you're you're kind of playing everything off of each other. I, I still it's still not as crisp as I want it, but it's serviceable and it's a step up from Witcher 2 and there's a nice power progression. Like I feel myself getting more powerful, which I really yeah. like. Yeah, me too. That's that's what I like as well. You know, and th those are sort of the things that our open world games do well, or, or some of them do well, where you're growing in power. For me, what really sells the game, though, and I, I feel like we've, we've touched on this a little bit, but, like, it's just the writing in the game is phenomenal. Like, yep. there are there are problematic parts to the writing in The Witcher. Can you tell Caitlin's back? Ka and Caitlin, Caitlin you're back. <laughs> we just all of a sudden heard a... I didn't know that I wasn't muted. <laughs> We just we heard Sorry? a pop and then it was like we heard a pop and then it was bah, 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 bah. so you're back welcome back <laughs> welcome back uh, we're talking about we're talking about the writing in The Witcher um you know we we no, were sort of talking it... <laughs> we um I think she might still be lagging a little bit okay um but no the thing with The Witcher is that you know there there's a lot of like debate over like oh is this game you know progressive or whatever and I'm not going to get into that but like you know there's problematic writing and everything there are good and bad dynamics to anything. Um, but for me, the fact that the game tackles challenging issues in an interesting way, like Dragon Age is very much a positive adventure. It's like, hooray, the Inquisition is really cool and we're saving the world. And yeah, some people don't like us, but that's NBD. Whereas, you know, in The Witcher, I feel like there's a lot of like, you know, nobody is inherently like pure good or pure bad. Like, again, I'm going to point to the Bloody Baron quest. I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't played it. But the Bloody Baron quest, I was absolutely engrossed the entire time because it sort of encompasses the whole first arc of the game's story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're introduced to this guy, you know, he's this, he's this terrible person. All you know is what people have spoken about him. He's called the Bloody Baron. And the game just keeps layering on levels to the Bloody Baron storyline, making it more and more interesting and pulling in more and more characters who are not there just for the sake of having another character. And, you know... The, the MacGuffin of the wife and daughter become major players in this quest, or maybe they don't, depends on how you play. And, you know, it, like nothing is as simple as it seems. And, you know, by the end, you're being asked questions that in another game would just be like a dialogue option that gets thrown away. But it's like the, the Baron at one point explains something that he has done and tries to justify it. And he says, it's important to me. What do you think? What you think of this? Do you, you know, what do you think? And like, your dialogue options are all shades of terrible things. And it's because it's a terrible, like, again, without spoiling it, you're in this scenario where terrible things, he's done bad things, his family has done bad things, and it's like the game is asking you to sort of have sympathy for somebody who is 
initially presented as unsympathetic. It's very Walter White in that, like, Walter White is a terrible person who does horrible things and you still have sympathy for him. And that to me is good writing because it's like, no, I don't, I don't condone what you've done. I don't think you're a good person. I don't think you deserve forgiveness. And yet I'm still sort of in a position where I'm like, where you are a sympathetic character. And that to me is good writing when you are like saying to yourself, how can I feel this way about this person? Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, in my, in my opinion, and you know, for people who have played, I find the Baron to be almost irredeemable. Like, what he has done is not con- condonable, and his excuse for why he did it, to me, is flimsy as hell. You know, it makes the other parties involved look a little worse. But again, what he has done is, the ma- the magnitude of what he has done is, is far worse. Right, and I think that that's kind of where, I, I know you didn't want to talk about but I, I think that we, we have to bring it up. We were having a pre-show discussion about a lot of, like, the criticisms that are going on in popular media right now you know some of the criticisms that are being lobbied at uh game of thrones and the witcher and the polygon review kind of talked about two aspects of witcher that they found a little troubling and one was the misogynistic world and i can kind of see what they're talking about i mean you have the sorceresses but you who are in major roles but you don't have like any queens or anything at least that i haven't gotten to any any part of the game like that But then they kind of brought up, and I I think they were intimating the Bloody Baron quest a little bit by saying, oh, it's completely justified what this horrible Bloody Baron did because of what his wife did. And I'm like, I didn't read into that at all. I think that's a misrepresentation of the argument. Like I was saying, like, the game asks you what you think of that, and you can say that you think it's justified, but... That's the thing is the game isn't setting him up to be sympathetic or not sympathetic. It's asking you how you assess that situation. Right. And and, and I was reading it as like, I don't care that she did this. You were completely out. Like You did, you did something worse at first and then afterwards. Yeah. Like, like, he was always one step worse than anything she ever did. Right. And I, and I think we're all on the same page. And Steven did a really good job of reminding me of this because, you know, we, we were having a pretty good discussion before the show. It wasn't so much about games. But, like, we're all on the same side here. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're all kind of... Yeah, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that we're all pretty progressive thinkers on this show. You know, no one's no one's flying any flags. You know, saying outlandish things. You know, I I am from a household of three very strong women. My wife has a say in everything we do in the house. She basically controls everything, and I'm just like, okay, dear Stephen, you were talking about your your mom kind of runs the house in in your household. Like, we're all on the same page. And that makes it okay if we disagree with each other a little bit. Like, I, I read that Polygon article, the, their review, and I was like, you know, I didn't read into that like that. What, what, what it comes down to for me is that whenever you're having that kind of a discussion, like, you know, you know, we could beat around the bush all we want, but like, you know, like Game of Thrones came up as a topic. It, my first thing is I caution anyone against listening to the loudest voices in an argument as the only representation of it. And I'm very and it's also that. And it's I'm also against painting everybody with the same brush. To right. say all women hate The Witcher because it's misogynistic is not true. There are, you know, if you want to look at feminism, there's a million different shades of feminism. And some women agree with it. Some men agree with it. Some disagree. Even people who are part of the same school of thought do not all agree on something. And so that's... That's the kind of determinism and, like, you know, generalization that precludes an argument is you can't just say, like, 
It would be like if I came on the show and said Caitlyn's a woman, so Caitlyn doesn't like the Bloody Baron. That's not that's not a, a valuable argument in any form. Mm-hmm. And it's you know you you can't you can't ascribe somebody to a group and then write off everything they say. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has an opinion, even people within the same political spectrum. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I think that there was another the other thing in the Polygon review that i i did kind of want to bring up because I, I wanted to get your guys's opinion on this because i i again i i like working this stuff through in my head and I'm, I'm always the first one to say if you can if you can make a logical argument that beats my logical argument i always go yeah uh you're right one of the arguments that they made was that this world is only like white people like there there is no racial diversity in the witcher at least none that i've really seen uh, there actually isn't a lot of diversity at all in the character models. You're kind of talking to the same people a lot. Like I, I've, I'm kind of wondering if everybody else is is uh, noticing that. But I don't really have a, a big opinion on that because this is a a Polish fantasy, so it, it's obviously going to have like really heavy European overtones in it. And I don't necessarily find it a problem much the same way as my, my argument was, you know, Persona takes place in Japan in a Japanese high school. Yes, you have that one, like, French exchange student running around, but you don't really have a lot of racial diversity in that school. Like, is that a problem? Like, I, I'm, I'm working this through with my mouth, which is probably a dumb idea. But what do you guys think about that? Was that kind of like... I like... Well, the problem is that it's a it's a fictional world, and so the creators of that world have license to add whatever races they want. Like just because it's uh, based on books that were written in Poland, that doesn't mean that like the, the creators of the game world or the creators of the Witcher lore could not choose to add people of different skin tones other than white. And I'm not saying that like, well, the problem with that is that it's, it's not necessarily an overt choice to not include different skin tones. But the dangerous yeah. thing is that that kind of, like the omission of them is just reflective of the world we live in and it's like it's i don't really know how, how to articulate it it's it's a parallel you don't want to hand wave it but you also right. don't want to ascribe the wrong intent to it yeah that's fair huh. it's it's just like just because they they didn't include them doesn't mean that they were consciously being like oh yeah they're definitely only going to be white people in this game but there is some kind of subconscious ideology at play there that made them feel like they didn't need to include people of other skin tones because, oh, if this is based on real life in some sense, then it should only have people that are light skinned. Like, I, it's a very complex issue, and it's not one that you can just be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it's we get so many college pamphlets at school, and I love when my students are like, oh, I'm going to pick up this college plant pamphlet, and there's going to be, you know, the white girl, the black kid, the the kid that's obviously Muslim. Like, they're all going to be on the front, and they're all going to be smiling and saying, like, oh, we love this school. Like, that's that's the worry that I have then, is, like, then you start having the, okay, we we have to have at least three black characters for every three white characters and okay we definitely need to have a gay character like for me what it comes down to is i want interesting characters like if i play as a gay character in a game if that's the nature of the game cool sign me up let's do that so i also i also worry that we start getting into like the jc penny catalog argument of like we we have to have everybody represented at all times it's it's because the reason why it's difficult to wrap your head around that i think is because that's it's it's a standard that is only recently being challenged so vocally by so many people because yeah. when whiteness is the norm when heterosexuality is the norm 
the fact that we have to go quote unquote out of our way to include people of different skin tones of different sexual uh, sexualities like any kind of minority like that's 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 a marked deviation from what we see as standard so the fact that we have to point it out means that there is an inherent problem in the way that our i guess like society as a whole views people that are not mainstream norm you know what i mean like yeah. like it no, shouldn't be something we have exactly to point right. out and yet we have to go out of our way to do it in a sense because there is this imbalance mm-hmm. yeah like there is there is a a socially conditioned norm that when you point out that that's the norm a it makes people uncomfortable because they're being it's being pointed out that they are just the position on a spectrum they're not the standard um and you know and that that's that's a that's a challenging thing for someone to 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 grapple with and i appreciate that it's difficult but it's also something worthy of being you know wrestled with now obviously we were having some technical difficulties there and we were not just speaking over caitlin and i think that it was a an evil skype plot to silence her when you know so we just have nothing but boys talking about gender issues and race issues but i think we've gotten that back here a little bit so caitlin jump in there a little bit I hope so. Skype, be nice to me, please. Um, so, I guess going back to gender issues in The Witcher, then. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest problem that I've had with, and I haven't played the first game, so I don't know specifics there. I know that there were, like, you could collect cards that had women oh, on Oh, they were dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were, like, babe cards, basically. Yeah. Yeah, which that's problematic but from my personal experience with witcher 2 it felt like you could have flings with women and they were nothing they were just meant to have you know a little sexy encounter there was outside of like tris who is a major character and presented as Geralt's lover at the beginning of the game there's no there's nothing beyond that sexual encounter and there's one character in particular when you're on Yorvet's path, who you help, and basically she's like, I, the only thing I can do to repay you is to, you know, service you this way. And I feel like part of the issue for me is just even the lore in the series. Um, witchers are supposed to be sterile because of all of the mutations that they go through in order to witch or to hunt monsters. And yeah, and it's not like the game doesn't flat out say, oh, that means that they sleep around a lot. And Geralt doesn't necessarily ever say at any point, yeah, I get a lot of sex because I can't, I don't have to worry about fathering children. But then again, the game encourages you to, or at least presents you with the opportunity to sleep with a lot of women. And after you've done the deed, there's nothing else. You can, you can romance some of them. Vess has at least a little bit of... Build up to her to her scene, but then afterwards, it's just like, oh, I banged her. I'm moving I, on. I think that's an important point to make because it it it's showing, like in that situation, uh, that the woman in that case is just being used as an object of sexual conquest, and it's only furthering the development. It's so so, so called development of the male of the male character, and um, like if it's if it's if that female character isn't important to the plot in any significant way and like she isn't also changing as a result of that i think that's disingenuous and also too often i think sexuality especially in video games because video games haven't many games haven't found a really i, I don't want to say mature because the word mature has a lot of connotations but there's there's not really like a there's not a lot of great examples of sexuality in gaming and i think that sex 
is too often treated as the endpoint of a mm-hmm. relationship. And we've, yes. we've had this discussion like about um, Dragon Age, how it's cool that some of the romances have sex as the midpoint because that's realistic. Or that like, it's not even like a terminal thing at all. Like you can avoid a sexual relationship entirely. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and still have a romantic thing going on. Now, now the thing that I, I want to challenge here a little bit, because I, I think Caitlin definitely brought up a good point, and it, I think it was especially problematic in Witcher 1. Like, I was really skeeved out by, like, the trading cards of, like, oh, you got the farmer's daughter. Like, that was, yeah, like, that wasn't good. Now, in the lore, the sorceresses are also sterile. So there, there is, and they they glamour themselves to look attractive, right? There, oh, there's a yeah. mom, there's a moment where you actually I can't I can't remember which one you see in Witcher two, and it's like whoa, like you you kind of peel back the layers there, and then in Witcher three, I don't know how many people have done the, the mission, so I don't want to like give too much away. I think they kind of turn the whole sex thing on its ear a little bit. A character kind of makes you think one way and then something else kind of happens which again I, I don't think it was a revelatory moment but i think that there's there's been some growing up i feel at cd project I, I would agree I, I think that's what i'm seeing here is that they they've grown up a little bit i actually think that the tris moments in witcher 2 i i kind of found as corny as this may sound i found them to be a little tender Okay, it was a little dumb when they fell into a random well and they just decided to do the deed right there. Hey, we oh. fell into a well. Well, <laughs> we, we were almost murdered. <laughs> we were almost murdered 30 seconds ago. You want to do it? Yeah, that's like, pretty true to what I might do in real life. Probably. What an average. Well, hey, if you think you're about to die, you're going to turn to someone and be like, yo. But I like the playfulness, and I, I actually like the moment where like Geralt's trying to get her his boot off, and Triss just grabs him and brings him in. Like, I, I feel like Triss was a much stronger character in charge of her sexuality in a more positive way than we typically see from women, and Caitlin was 100% right. We typically see sex as the end goal. Like, okay, I need to, I need to make sure that I answer all these dialogue options correctly so that I, I get to the sexy bits. Like... Yeah, that's that's a skeeve out quality, and I was mentioning to you guys before. I feel bad because I've cheated on Triss, and I feel really bad about it right now. Like, I know we're not we're not technically together in the storyline right now, but I I did cheat on her, and I'm I'm waiting for the anvil to fall. And so, I so interestingly too, uh, you can import your sa- you can import your save data, and the game knows. So like, if you slept with Triss in Witcher Two. It's commented upon in three by the obvious, the first character that would comment upon such a thing. And like, so I'm sort of in the middle because I feel like Witcher 3 handles the presentation of sex better than its predecessors. But I still sort of feel like there's an element of like, and again, you're playing as a dude character. I feel like there's still an element of the male gaze involved here, and yeah, I can hear the audible sighs of people who don't buy into that. But it's a it's a way, it's a way of viewing oh definitely. characters. Like the game is very much presenting a lot of its female characters as they're interesting characters. Like Kira is a really cool character, and I like I like Triss and Yennefer is cool. But they are also to me still presented as objects of of, of the gaze. Like they are they yes. why do they why do they glamour themselves because G- they're G-A-Z-E, ever, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not, well, not, not 
not the male gaze. They're mine. No, nope, there was stuff. There is stuff for those gays too, though. But they're... yeah, no, no, no. There, there's there's definitely more equal opportunity fan servers. I mean, Geralt has his shirt off in like most of the intro. Yeah, but he is. I have to... It's like a human meat pile, though. Like hey, <laughs> some people dig scars, people... yo. Hey, hey with yeah, the... Garrus yeah. fans. Hello. Muscular, muscular back, man. I mean, come on, dude is cut. Can I just say I okay. love that bait and switch in the opening. Oh, I that love that. Way. You thought you think it's going to be a girl because that's the way the other games start. And yes, Yennefer is there, and she's also nude. Okay, whatever. Uh, but you think that she's in the tub, but no, it's actually it's totally bro. And I was like, thank you, finally a little fan service for the ladies. Yeah, yeah that like, sounds a little contradictory for me to be like, like praising male fan service and being boo to gratuitous sex, but damn it, well, it doesn't happen that much. No, see, this is this is exactly what we were talking about earlier, which is just that like again, there is a power dynamic. And if women are always in the subordinate role in society, then, like, seeing women objectified has a different connotation than seeing men objectified. And I'm not saying that, like, there's not a problem with male objectification necessarily, but I like it's, to see some, some naked dudes sometimes, too, okay? Please, and thank you. Yeah, and, like, you know, it's and that's the thing is, like, I feel like in the end, like... It is a better attempt, and that's why you should always laud a better attempt than an attempt to improve the way you're presenting your media. But, like... You know, there is still that that ever present feeling of a lot of this show is being put on for what is presumed to be the male gaze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, G-A-Z. and I I would agree with Rob that I think that this the quote unquote sex scenes and the relationships in the game with women that you can engage in sex with are better presented here than they were in Witcher Two. I mean, they're still they get naked, but it feels less like a five ten second porno. And more like just a oh I get it they're well, engaging they're... they never get super graphic and it's less graphic in my, from what I can remember than what the scenes in Witcher two were I, th- I feel like it's less graphic than what was in Dragon Age Inquisition honestly yeah like, no it, I, it's it's a lot less graphic um, they they I mean to to be fair like I. I think Jim Sterling actually said, like, that this game is handling, you know, sex in a far more adult manner than Bioware, who usually gets a lot of the credit. And, you know, I love the Iron Bull scene in in Inquisition. I think that thing was funny as hell. But in a lot of ways, I found the sex scenes in Inquisition to be way more graphic than anything that's going on in Witcher 3. And yet Witcher 3 gets all the conversation and all the like, ooh, it's, it's the sexy video game. I'm like, the first time I saw nipples in Dragon Age Inquisition, I was honestly like flabbergasted a little bit. Because I'm like, wait a minute, Dragon Age Origins had like underwear sex. And now we've just gone full on in the opposite direction. Like, it, it was it was jarring for me. Like, whoa. For me, it's again, it's sort of that thing of like all things exist on this spectrum, and like you know, there it does some things well and some things other. Like you don't say blanket Dragon Age handled sex well. It's like parts of it were handled well, parts of it weren't handled as well. And I think The Witcher has the same sort of thing going on. Like you could look at it from the other perspective of like the first potential love interest in in Witcher Three. Um, that character, if you choose to sleep with that character, it's initiated by her. Uh, she, you know, she is the one in charge of it. Like you can agree to it. And again, it's still sort of this voyeuristic element of it's there for your visual pleasure as a as a dude or a, or a person who's looking at that woman. But you could also look at the dynamic from a different perspective of she initiates it and it's like it is something that she is craving and that she's like, yo, Geralt, hook me up here. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it's not just pure sex, but like it's that's the thing is you I, I caution against suggesting it's handled well, it's handled poorly, like there's shades to it. And like 
I like that that character was like, this is what I want. Will you do it? I mean, there's still some of the old Witcher. There's There are brothels, and you can pay women for sex, and there are a couple of... Strumpets. Uh, well, there's there are a couple of people you can engage. In that is how they're listed. <laughs> no, no, I, yes, I, I, that's I how they're called. I didn't choose that word. I didn't choose that word, Derek. <laughs> that's what they're called but in the game. Now, th- th- this is this is a cool moment here, though, because I, I think this is where, like, when I first we started first putting this episode together, I said, like, I wanted to have this very conversation right here. Is it? A problem that the game has brothels. I would agree that I don't like the idea of Geralt engaging in sex with the strumpets, so I don't do it. And yes, I it, there is an element of that that I find problematic. But a world that has brothels that doesn't necessarily send the alarm bell up in my head, if that makes sense. I I I would I could think of it from I could see it from both perspectives. Like you know. Do you want to normalize that kind of world in fiction? You know, I would argue that as a as a world that's basically attempting to ape Middle Europe, yeah, there's going to be brothels. Do I like that they're there? Not especially. Um, you know, that's the thing is, you, it's like Derek was saying earlier. You know, yeah, I could see it being there, and it's not a conscious decision of hey, we're trying to subordinate women here, but it's also like you don't want to hand wave such a thing either. Uh, so, you know, it's not something that has one clear cut. Yes, it should be there. Or, no, it shouldn't be there. Answer. And, you know, for me, I definitely take the perspective of I don't want Geralt to be a character that engages in that. So I don't play him that way. Yeah, and, I know, don't if, either. If you've read some of the books, you know, like Geralt is not 100 percent a good dude. But I feel like the way he's represented, at least in the books I've read and in the the, the game itself you know, I don't feel like he's a character that would do something like that. I mean, maybe I, you know, maybe I misread who he is, but CD Projekt's version of Geralt is not the novel version. Go with me on this for a second. I, I, something just clicked in my head a little bit. If we were playing Witcher 3, and let's say you got to one of the towns and there was slavery in the town, and it was race-based slavery... Would we be having a similar conversation about what are the implications of this in relationship to the real world? Would we be having that conversation? I don't know. I'm not saying this is a gotten you moment. I have no clue. I I feel like, again, that's sort of like before the show we talked about comparing the, the the Game of Thrones scene that people have an issue with versus The Sopranos. And I think it's just different eras. In this case, I feel like that's it's not like race and gender are not the same issue. So like, I, okay. I feel like it's, okay. it's sort of disingenuous to even make the comparison. So like, I okay. wouldn't, I wouldn't have a response to that. Okay. And I appreciate that. It's like, it's important to have dialogue about these kinds of things, but I think it's also disingenuous to have that conversation as a group of four white people. That, that is also very yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. That's also very true. So, you know, I, I know Mark Lawrence caught a lot of flack for having, you know, it, it, there's the stereotype of, the, you know, the mystical uh, black man who makes everything better. You know, they always wear contact lenses in movies to make their eyes look voodoo. And yeah, like right. it's, and, it's and true. He, and right. And he did that in one of his books and he caught a lot of flack for it. So I guess I'm, I'm just sitting here pondering, like, if we were playing a Dragon Age game or a Witcher game where it had race-based slavery because we we do have racism in those games and there's racism in the witcher when it comes to the elves and the witchers like yeah walk around town and everyone's like you disgusting mutant and like people are total d-bags to Geralt. like yeah if Geralt chose to be like 
a misanthrope who hated everybody, I couldn't blame him. But, you know, I don't play him that way. I play him as more stoic and like, you know, I don't care, I don't care about that because of a lifetime of dealing with it. But again, that's sort of that's another issue on its own. That's interesting to think about. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 it's you know, it's it all comes down to and. I know some people hate her, but I always hear what Anita Sarkeesian said in Derek's voice because Derek said it once. You can enjoy your media and consume it without still acknowledging its more pernicious aspects. Uh, Mm -hmm. To this day, I still for some reason ascribe that to Derek because I remember Derek saying it. And that's that's a really intelligent way to look at it. And whether or not you like Anita Sarkeesian, I don't care. It's, it's, right, it, I think that's, that's just a I'm, salient point, though. Yeah, the, that yeah. is a salient point when you are consuming any form of media. I love Scrubs. Scrubs has a terrible presentation of transgender people. Scrubs repeatedly uses, like, problematic terms to describe transgender people and uses them as the butt of jokes. And I hate that. I still like Scrubs, but it doesn't... And, you know, I'm not going in going, Scrubs is terrible and I should destroy it and blah, 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 blah. But, like, yeah, I can watch it with an eye for... Yeah, I have a problem with that. You. It's also sometimes... It, those kinds of things aren't immediately apparent usually mm-hmm. like the, t- we tend to notice problematic aspects of media when we've analyzed them for a long time or when we've taken a step back and when they're not so in our face like i reviewed persona 4 as my highest game ever on rpg fan i gave it a 98 i still think it is like up there as almost the pinnacle of, of rpg design but there are some incredibly problematic aspects with the way that some things are presented in that game and it's Absolutely. not like i excuse it it's just like okay, maybe I didn't look at that closely enough. And I think that it takes, well, that that sounds like self-serving. I was going to say it takes maturity to be able to step back and be like, hey, maybe I didn't assess that as maturely or as intelligently as I could have. You know, it's just, it's just a matter of, of like growing and learning from things. I mean, it can be, sorry, go ahead. It can be hard though to notice things when you belong to that sort of, I don't want to call it, you know, the master race, but the 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 race or the gender that is sort of on top of the hierarchy. Right. So with race, it's white people. With gender, it's men. You could even do white white males, and it can be hard to see the issues that are potentially racist or sexist if you don't belong to that group, or if you just don't have a lot of exposure to those issues. There are women who don't we don't see problems with the way that women are treated in The Witcher or in Bioware games or whatnot. And just as there may be men of color who don't always see the issues just because they don't have as much exposure to them. I I have taken classes with people who don't always see racial and gender issues, even though they belong to that class, just because it hasn't always uh, been... Uh, parent to them, I guess. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Well, no. It's 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 like we were saying. I, I actually don't think you're being condescending at all to say it takes a certain kind of maturity, Derek. It's not like if you don't get this, you're immature. Nobody is saying that. Well, but yeah. And I also you, just mean like I wasn't trying to put myself on a pedestal and be like, well, now that I've taken a step back and looked, because I, you know, like there are still problematic things that I don't acknowledge all the time. I'm sure. Yeah. And exactly. And that, you know, the I, I have this conversation a lot with. Uh, I work with a lot of PhDs and like there's this perspective of like academic elitism and I don't necessarily ascribe to that, but you learn certain ways of synthesizing media when you we're four educated people. We've all been to college of varying levels and you learn, you know, and again, there are people who scoff and turn up their nose and go, Oh, academics think they're so smart. And it's not that academics think they're so smart. It's that academics are trained to read things in a certain fashion. And that fashion is with a critical eye. And so that's like, yeah, 
I could look at something I really liked, like Persona 4, and I, you know, I didn't have any graduate education when I first played it, and I played it, and I thought it was awesome. And one could argue that I'm like the standard person who would play it. I'm a white heterosexual dude who played Persona 4, so of course I had no problem with dating girls because that's what I do. That's normal, you know. So I didn't notice any of that. And then as you play it and think about it. It doesn't mean that you're condemning people who like it or that you're condemning the game or the story or the writing. It's that, like we've been saying the whole time, you can have aspects of something that are well done and have others that are more problematic. And it doesn't mean you are condemning everyone and everything about it by pointing that yeah. out. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't point it out. And that's it's, – it's a, it's a distance from the media you consume. Like you are not the media you consume and it doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. But as a person who I've been in school for a long time – I'm trained to look at things with that sort of critical distance. I still enjoy them, but I will point out aspects of that. And like, I think there's a lot of blowback at that in general from not, and I'm not going to say the unwashed masses, but people who don't have academic background, maybe haven't been exposed to the way that way of looking at things. And that's not a form of elitism. That's just saying like, you know, I don't know how to do certain things because I'm not trained in them. I'm trained to look at media in a certain way. And I think we're all, you know, we're all to an extent trained to look at things that way. So that's why I think a lot of the the vitriol that gets spewed when these topics come up is coming from a misunderstanding of the basic tenets of how critique of media even works rather from, oh, you know, like you pointed out that I'm a white guy, so I'm angry. It's like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not what's happening here. It's it's critique is necessarily, you know, you're trying to pursue objectivity. So, you know. Well, I, I want to take a step back to Dragon Age Inquisition for a second, which was, I really like the way that Dragon Age Inquisition, you know, based on your gender, you had a limited number of romance options, and you were in charge of the sexuality of your character. So if you wanted to play a gay male Inquisitor, you could do that. Yeah, and you could do that. (laughs) If you wanted to play a female inquisitor who was straight you could do that and And i did that right and and i think that that game handled because it put the sexuality the sexual control was in the player and you were role-playing the character that you were (laughs) instead of like Geralt is a male as far as i know heterosexual protagonist so he only has relationships of a sexual nature with females, as far as I know. Maybe there's a mission down the road. I don't know. Well, the, but that's, that's, but ahead, sorry. So what I'm what I'm wondering here is like Caitlin's point about the the three sorceresses being kind of the end goal, and not to put words in her mouth, but I I think you could make the argument that they are being objectified. I mean, for God's sake, there's a blonde, a brunette, and a redhead. I mean, it. You know, come on. We're, we're, we've taken a step up from the the playing cards, but it's still there a little bit. If you were controlling, like, let's say we took Dragon Age Inquisition into Witcher, and you got to make the gender of your character, and that determined what romance options were available to you, is that putting the sexual control? in the player's hands as opposed to as we were talking about having a male gaze gaze of what sexuality is in this world for for me i feel like it it depends on what you're looking at in dragon age inquisition you can play anybody you know you right. could be you know you could play anyone in a in a gender binary you could be a male or a female yeah and 
you know, there you could argue that there's more than just the gender binary and so on and so forth. But for the purpose of this video game, they have chosen you can be either a a physical male or a physical female. And that makes sense in that game because that game is about you inserting yourself as the player in and playing a fantasy of whoever this character is. And, you know, I, I like that that exists and I think more of that should exist. But it's also on the perspective of Geralt is a heterosexual dude. Um, so, like, it, it's a challenging tightrope they walk where it's like, you know, you have this weird sort of male gaze type of, like, you know, gazing at the women and the women being there for the visual edification of males, heterosexual males. But on the other hand, I also wouldn't want to not have stories like that. But it's like expanding the diversity. I would love to have a story like Derek wrote a news story about a gay JRPG. Yeah. That's a, I uh, want to play that because that's yeah. – for me, I want to see interesting and diverse stories because I don't want to always see the same story. So that's cool. I wouldn't suggest that that game suddenly should have the option to romance a woman because that's not what the game is trying to do. That's not who the main character of that game is. And I would also argue the same thing for The Witcher 3. Geralt is a heterosexual male who is to some extent predetermined. You know, he is a character with a backstory with, you know, his own – preferences so i you know I, I wouldn't say oh suddenly Geralt has to have a gay option because then you have yeah. to hide in mass Effect yeah no I, I don't agree with that necessarily yeah, yeah. Or i do you agree know, with that rather i think you're right <laughs> yeah but, like the, there's a way to present the women in a way where maybe they're a little less the prize oh god you said um, it but i think i think that witcher 3 has done a better job than its predecessors but i also would not argue that suddenly Geralt should be able to bang anybody like Geralt is you know that they have to stay within the diegesis of their character but now your statement of the prize though would you then say that if you were playing a female inquisitor and you romanced cullen was cullen a prize and this, and I don't want you guys to read that I'm I'm doing the MRA thing of like, oh, this is males being objectified. I'm just if saying, I may, no. Me. But but what I'm saying is like, I, I think we're all asking for more diversity in storytelling. Like, I would love to play as a female Witcher. Like, that would be awesome. Next game, bring it on. Well, Let me play Siri of, the whole can, time. Let's do like, it. You She's not a Witcher, <laughs> but hers levels are. I actually hope they do because Siri's a really interesting character, both from the books and so far in the game. Right. Like, yes. she's really cool. Like, I love her as a character. I would absolutely play as her. And I think that's what people want, is that right now there's a preponderance of heterosexual white male characters in games who have sex with women who are white women. No one's asking for that to change. They're just asking for more right. of everything else. Because that's yes. interesting. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's where I stand. And I, I guess what i Go ahead, Derek, go ahead. No, I was I, I was about to make a comparison that's going to lead us into a dangerous territory. But I... But, like adding more options does not take away from the existing options is all I was going to say. Exactly. It does. I, I guess I, I just, my, my last question would be, it, I don't ever want uh, the, the prize thing is a, is a really interesting concept and I'm kind of mulling it around my head a little bit. In, is it because Dragon Age Inquisition gives you such diversity of choices in both who your character is and who you romance that then we are not seeing the relationships as the prize so much as when you're playing as a heterosexual male character that can only be with these female characters that then it kind of elevates it to a prize well, level you have to keep in mind that in a game like dragon age inquisition all of the romanceable characters are people that are fully developed and have their own story and typically their own agenda whereas i think it's problematic when you have a situation where it's just like 
I mean, this doesn't happen in the game, at least as far as I know. I have no idea. But it's like Geralt uh, finds a, like a busty woman being attacked by a griffin, and then he kills the griffin, and she's like, oh, thank you, you saved me. Oh, come bed me. Like, that's when they're a prize, because they don't actually have any kind of personality or right. agency or right. anything yes. happening. It's okay. like, they're just like an object that he's like, cool, I'm going to take you. You know, that's, that's completely that's different. Well, one. Yeah. yeah, but I don't necessarily think that just creating backstory for characters means that when you get them in bed, they're not a prize. No, Mass fair. Effect is pretty bad about that, where yeah, the ultimate climax of your relationship is a <laughs> sexual encounter, and then there's nothing else. Sorry, an adult, Robert. Sorry. And I think I actually think in some ways that's where Bioware learned in Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, that, that, absolutely. That's not the end point of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, but I'm not it was, saying they're perfect, also. Yeah, like, and you know, it's it's a lot of the representation in the writing. Like, you know, I think, like I said, I don't think The Witcher Three is perfect in how it represents those issues, but I also think it's a step up. Like I said, with the first character you can romance, it, it's 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 still a little bit prizey, but it gets a little grayer because that character is the one who initiates it, and you know, you're still you're still dealing with weird it's not- dynamics. It's not the end of her story either. That's not like you do the deed and suddenly you no longer hear from her. She still has an, an involvement in the story and her side quest. And, I mean, you could almost argue that it was a calculated move on her part to engage yeah. in that encounter with Geralt. Is it wrong that that was one of my favorite things about Dragon Age 2? Was, uh, I forget the female elf's name. She was my romance option. And this Meryl. Meryl. Is it wrong that I actually found that kind of touching that she short, that she she sort of moves in with you and you continue to have a relationship with this individual over years? Like that's the RPG I want to play is like when they the bring their girl, stuff to, to your house and they are now living with you. That's the RPG I want to play. Well, have I got a game for you? It's <laughs> called Harvest Moon and you're going to love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like I, I think that that's exactly what, what both Derek, Caitlin, Steven, you guys all brought it up earlier, which is not making sex the ultimate objective of the relationship that you're building with this character. It is simply something that happens. Like uh, that That's one of the things that, again, Inquisition, like the sex scenes are kind of silly in there because as Derek said during that episode, sex is silly sometimes. It really is. And then the relationship builds. But (laughs) but then the relationship builds from there. So, like, I want to have the RPG where, like, you are living together. Like, I kind of like that idea. And that was something in Dragon Age 2 of, like, having Meryl kind of always around with me. She was adorable. She was adorable. She had problems, but man, I was like, I was hooking on a sinker. I know, but, like, but that was something that I really liked about that game because that felt more like an adult relationship instead of like, oh, we had sex and now we're always going to talk about that we had sex and our story is over. Like And you yeah. see, that's that's where you can see that in Witcher 3 and you can see the improvement they've made. They still have the, you know, sort of, oh, meaningless, let's just, you know, sex for sex for sake in the game. But there are relationships where you engage in that and then it just keeps building from there. There is more to see after the quote-unquote, you know, the prize. After coitus. Basically yes. what it comes down to is that all of us are requesting that we write better characters. Yeah. Don't, you don't write just... a good character yeah. whose sole purpose is not to be a tantalizing sexy prize for hero. Yeah, sex is only so interesting in terms of rela- of a relationship. A real relationship goes beyond sex. Nobody like... plays Dragon Age or Witcher to see poorly rendered polygonal nipples. 
I'm so bad in order. Like, be surprised. I, Some people do. But. That's true. But like uh, the reason I like Inquisition's presentation of it is because I'm more interested in the relationship between the characters that they build than just the act of sex. Sex is part of right. that intimacy, but like the reason the sex is interesting is because you are interested in the relationship that these two personalities have formed because they're pretty well written. Yeah, I'm. I'm waiting for a Final Fantasy game where. Like, I, did did Yuna and Titus do it? I, I know that that is a big, like, controversy online, that that whole scene of... of, of the water scene? Yeah, the water scene was just them doing it. What Was that them doing it? And what kind of bacteria is in that water? Anyway? I know, serious. <laughs> but, like, and then there's also the implied sex between Tifa and Cloud in Final Fantasy VII that I'm like, what? Well, look at... When we t- when we talk about the prize, like, where areas that Persona could improve, look at, at the end of every relationship... Social Link in Persona 4. Yes. Every single one is you shared some intimate time. And then they never have a relationship scene again right. other than the ones right. they added in Golden, which, again, that's partially a limitation of the system. And, you There's, know, so you don't you don't want to hand wave it, but you also point out that, that that's the ultimate thing that happens. And two more things to consider that, A, Final Fantasy are games made in Japan, so there's a cultural stigma attached to sexuality there that may be different from Western society. Yeah. And, B, those were made earlier i mean sure. you know final, final fantasy 10 is what how old is it now like uh, don't do that to me let's, don't don't let's, do that to me. let's not get into that <laughs> let's right. not get into that we're 10 years old madness. so so we just have to consider to some extent that that like the fact that it came out a little bit earlier on may have something to do with the fact that sexuality wasn't being represented as openly yep. yeah the media evolves with the tastes and the current discourse I'm, I'm waiting for the rpg where the sex happens early in the game then they move in with you and then you have like the tax collecting mini game where you're sitting there trying to figure out how many dependents you are like that is a real relationship right there like we have gone past just bedroom stuff into how are we going to financially make the taxes work this year well, in Geralt's case, it's just be I have to go out and do Witcher contracts. <laughs> I could yeah. just see Triss sitting there like, "Hun, you need to start bringing home more money." Like, you gotta go seriously. witch some stuff. You gotta go witch some <laughs> you gotta stuff. Gotta get the witching like, on. Like, oh, God. Uh, you know, Triss had to pick up a second job. Like, you know, Geralt. Uh, Geralt just is falling on hard times. There aren't a lot of vampires around anymore. He's sitting at home drinking all day. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's really cool stories to be had there, and it would be cool to go in that direction. I don't know. I... At the... Good. Well, I don't, I don't want to necessarily derail us into uh, just because this could take an entire podcast by itself, and we should probably, you know, not not delve into that particular. I lost my train of thought. Um, As Ron Swanson once said, "That way lies madness." Yes, that's a whole other can of worms. That's the idiom I was thinking of. Um, but it's not just sex and intimacy that needs to be addressed in games vis-a-vis their presentation of women. It's everything from how they're dressed and to how they relate in their stories compared to men. And Yeah, like, the what is it, the Bechtel test? Like, do the women talk about something besides another man? Yeah. there. I mean, I, I went through, I made a whole list of games or RPGs that I played and I tried to think of all the good and bad things I could about how women are presented and a lot of them were women whose story arcs pretty much revolved around men uh, either romantically or whatever and a lot of them were women who were dressed horribly for their conditions like they're supposed to be fighting people perhaps we could discuss every single suit of armor that the women get in Xenoblade in Valak Mountain yeah. <laughs> like, the dude's armor is literally, like, bushy, covered coats, whereas Charlotte's like, yeah, I have a nice 
felt fur wrap around my boobs, and yeah. then everything else is exposed. Are you talking about like what armor they acquire there, or what armor yeah. they? Well, yeah, cause, like because you they have heavier armor. Yeah, they have heavier armor, but like for example, like if you buy the snow gear in Valak Mountain, the, the oh. same gear on a dude is like a full body fur suit, whereas if you gotcha. put it on Sharla or uh, Melia, okay, it's like fur suit is something else entirely. But yeah. <laughs> oh dear. So I, I don't about Sonic earlier. Samic. I, I think I don't, I, I don't I, think we have time to talk about it anymore. But we were going to talk about Devil Survivor two, and maybe we can. Well, we're not going to have another show before E three. You guys there like Devil Survivor two, don't you? We do. It's cool. It's good. There, there are occasional uh, fan service moments that are like kind of eh. But um, Devil Survivor two for the listeners, Break Record just came out. It's like the 3DS enhanced port of Devil Survivor two, which came out on DS like I don't know was four years ago. Yeah. Um, and it's got full voice acting. It has a completely new scenario, which is the biggest thing. Um, it takes place after, too. yeah, after the ending of the original game. Um, features the same cast with like a couple, at least one major new character, and uh, it's it's good. Um, the the new triangulum arc, as it's called, does feel pretty fan servicey. Just in that, like, I'm a, I'm on the second day of that, and it, it's pretty much like, hey, we're all reuniting again to fight the invaders again, and oh, I'm so glad to see you, and you know, like. A lot of that is just spent on character interaction that isn't really progressing any of their respective development arcs because I think they kind of all reach their peaks in the original game and they're not doing a lot to make them different. It sounds kind of like the answer in Persona 3 where like, yep. Yep. I think, like, I think the beginning changes. of the answer is very much like, hey, let's regress some storytelling. I like what the answer did towards the end, but like, I think of the beginning of it is very much like, let's regress some stuff so we this can do is... another story. This is exactly what we were talking about with Persona Q and that all of these characters are being shown again in like a cool fan servicey way, but they're all back to their you know, like initial personality before yeah. they before they developed in their main game. So Devil Survivor Two is is not the same. It's like the characters are where they were at the end of the first campaign, but now they're just like you know, they're not really doing anything extra. As far as I've seen, like who knows, they may change. But uh it's I... it's a great enhanced port though. Yeah, what I really love about it, because I, I beat the first one and the 3DS remake of the first one, and I never played the second one, and I the first one's one of my favorite RPGs. Like, it's just this awesome combination of stuff, and, like, it's essentially a visual novel wrapped into a turn-based strategy game, wrapped into a turn-based JRPG, and all of them work really well together, especially this one, because they essentially, the fate system or whatever, is basically social links, which is a way of quantifying something that was in the first game, but it was harder to follow. Yeah. Um, like your relationships with characters rank up as you interact with them. You have limited time to do so and it affects, you know, the outcome of certain plot lines. And I'm sure this one has multiple endings like the first one. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's really compelling. You know, it's like you're interested in the characters, your development of the characters affects them in combat, you know, collecting infusing demons has done really well. Strat you definitely do have to choose too with characters because you, there's no possible way to rank all the characters up. Yeah, and because you can't have everyone in your group at the end. Yep. Um, and you know, it's it's just it's really fun where like you know you're doing the skill crack and you're like plotting who's going to go attack what, and then yeah. within the 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 level on the unit on unit, it's like you have you know turn based like how am I going to maximize what I'm hitting to get the most number of turns? Like it's just it's a really great formula that I I was worried maybe I had played the first one so much that I'd be tired of it, and I'm absolutely not. It's just it's a blast. I'll have more to say about it when I play more of it, but... 
and even if you've played the original, from what I've played so far, I do think this is very much worth still picking up. Like, if you were invested enough in the cast and you thought the world was interesting, the new Triangulum arc is basically just, like, what if it happened under different circumstances? That's actually, like, literally the concept of it. It's like, what if, like, what if the invaders were a different set of invaders and all of the characters had different relationships? I mean, they're still friends or whatever, but, like... Um, in the original Devil, Surviv- Devil Survivor, there's a big focus on uh, people having different ideologies, much like classic Shin Megami Tensei. So they split yeah. into various factions by the end of the game. And this one is more like, what if everybody didn't split into different factions? And what if they worked together against a different invader? So oh, if you're if that find, if that sounds interesting to you, if you want to know what happens in that kind of one what if story, I still think it's worth picking up. And the voice acting is good, actually. There's like yeah. maybe one character I was kind of eh on, but everybody sounds great now that I'm used to it. Who are you kind of at on? Io. Because she has okay, a yeah. really breathy voice. She's like, I was kind of worried that we wouldn't meet up again. It's like nobody <laughs> actually talks like that. Oh, my God. You sound like the one person Sako's from Silent voice Hill. Asterisk is voice actress is awesome. Sound like Who? Silent Hill 2 there. Or the, the, I can't remember her name. The uh, military girl. Uh, the blue-haired one. Oh, Makoto? Oh, Makoto. Isn't her last name Sako? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah that's yeah. good. But I, I'm glad I didn't get that wrong. She's yeah, awesome. no, it's it's a really cool game. I, I want, I'll talk about it more next time when I've had a chance to play it. Maybe we can talk more nitty gritty about it. But it it had the unfortunate distinction of me buying it almost the same day as The Witcher Three. So oh yeah, I want I, to get I, to the new music in it too because I know I that bought should... The Witcher uh. and The Witcher One. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I, you guys will have some time on uh, some plane rides. I know to play Jeez. some to play some console game or to play some handheld games because uh, E3 is right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. I can't what? believe it. It's, whoop, whoop. I will be in literally 11 days. I will be going to Los Angeles for E3. Yep, so. and I'll be right behind you coming in on Sunday. Uh, so, so we always spend a little bit of time kind of predicting a little bit here uh, and kind of talking about what we're excited about. My heart's already broken because CD Projekt has said that they're not talking about Cyberpunk. and That, that is me, a bummer. That makes me... Re- I really wish they had announced I, it so fast. Like, yeah, you know what? It's a very cage to Kingdom Hearts 2 situation where they announced it way early. And, like, I get why they did it so they could get more staff because they said announcing the staff, you know, helped them or announcing the game and they got more staff to work on it and, like... I appreciate them being like, hey, you know, we're going to be focusing on The Witcher, which is cool for everyone who bought The Witcher. But we're just really excited about... I just want to see what they do next. Oh, my God. Their their progression across three titles is amazing. Like, imagine we don't have a cyberpunk game, a cyberpunk setting game, with the attention to detail of The Witcher. I cannot... I cannot... Deus Ex is like... Yeah, like, Deus Ex is is a very... It's a very good game. It's a little more linear, and it's a different focus. Like, imagine a world like The Witcher 3, but with sci-fi cyberpunk stuff. Like, that is I'd like... Thank you. Thank you. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, and that that would solve one of the major uh, complaints, I guess, I have about The Witcher 3, is just that I'm not terribly invested in the atmosphere and the world and the aesthetic. So if we could just get that caliber of writing... With yeah, cyberpunk setting. Uh, yeah, man. Somebody was at, one of my students was asking me to describe like the setting of The Witcher, and I was like, you know that scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where they're just stacking shit. It's kind of like that. <laughs> like it's, it's like King Arthur just rolls through town, and it's just like, uh <laughs> like it, it's a very Eastern european flair for medieval fantasy and derek i can totally understand why you, why it's not like big for you you know what i mean 
it's all right. It's just not my my thing. Yeah, yeah like well, I, I I would say at least do yourself the favor of playing beyond where you have because that is definitely like I feel like you lose count of the number of RPGs where it's like no you got to get to this part but you sort of do like it, it it would be it would be like quitting Final Fantasy 13 after the first four chapters like the oh, game the, the real game has not do that yet. <laughs> oh no, Rob you messed yeah. up can we not <laughs> I like. You know, don't don't play it for a million hours, but I would at least give yourself the time to like get into the where the real like do the bloody baron side quest. It's or it's a main quest. Like, you know, skip the side content if you're not jiving on it. At least get some sense of the writing because that's where I think you'll really be able to determine if it's for you or not. Well, I, I didn't mean to derail us into Witcher talk again. I promise, but uh, mm-hmm. three. Right. I, I was actually going to say like, uh, uh, well, Geralt's swimmer body is is pretty fantastic, and I caught my wife eyeing him up the other day, so I was just. <laughs> His waist is ridiculous! Dude, like, that man, you know what? I think at this point, I my fitness goals are Chris Pratt. Now my fitness goals are The Witcher, plus a few scars. Like, I just want like, to... I'm not going to lie. Like, Geralt is male power fantasy. I, I just want to be Geralt. I want to be a dude who wanders the countryside fighting monsters and gruffly being like, yeah, but, but I humanity feel like is dark. There's a difference between Geralt's well-built bod and... This is not an, an RPG, but uh, the Arkham games where Batman is Batman so is ridiculous. This is a massive yeah. muscle. Yeah. That Batman kind is like of figure turns me off. Like that's just way over the top. Geralt being well built just makes sense for well his built. character. He is okay. No, I, just, I love I love that man. I love that use of the terminology in that context. Oh, he's a very well built individual. And, he is though. Yeah. Geralt he might is like. Have might have problems moving around the world and looting specific boxes. So, so, so we're not going to go back to Chris. I punch boulders. Redfield. That's that's not what we're going to go back Chris to. Chris, I Redfield. actually. What about suplexing mm. Saban? <laughs> but I, I think like when it comes to E3 talk, I mean, I is it wrong that I'm a little bummed that we're already starting to get like the previews of the E3 builds? Like everybody got to play the Mad Max game this past week. Everybody will talk about Just Cause Three next week. Like I, E3 is more about announcements, I think. Though like... I, I know, but like I, I just kind of miss like the the show stopping moments of like, I don't know what this is. I'm so like. I, I, I don't know what this is. I'm really excited. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of leaving, like, you know, 2K has been teasing a new XCOM game all week. It's already out. Everybody's figured out, okay, they're making a new XCOM. That's coming. That's awesome. Like, that would have been such a good reveal. You know what I mean? Like, I... I well, eh. you know, there's... also keep in mind there's those dynamics in the background of, like, we all know Fallout 4 is getting announced. Do you want to announce your game on the same day as Fallout 4? It'd be like announcing your game on the same day Half-Life 3 is announced. Like, they're getting it out of the way because that's the way these dynamics of the industry work, you know? Like, I'm sure there will still be interesting announcements. I'm a little worried because Sony openly admitted that their lineup is sparse. Yeah. Uh, And for me, I'm like, oh, I'm hoping that they're... you. The, the the storyteller in me wants them to be bait and switching, but they're not. Like the reality is, we know what they're working on. They have a lot of these teams that are probably going to be making games, but the fact that they already told their investors, "Yeah, we're going to try to increase value of the product for people who already own it," says we're not announcing anything at E3. Like they're going to announce, they're going to show Bloodborne DLC. No, they said they're not going to show that. Actually, they said oh. that that'll be after E3. Uh, well, then basically what they're going to do is show off third-party games as if they're first-party games, which was dumb for us, but apparently worked for them as a financial thing. They're going to show a trailer of Uncharted 4, 
say that we still haven't forgotten the Vita and then not show anything about the Vita. That sounds like I, I really want Sony's conference to be good because I love Sony. But like I'm very concerned that Sony is preparing everybody to be disappointed this year in lieu of next year. I think they'll have one surprise game. Uh, I, I know you all think I'm crazy and being very hypocritical, but I am excited for Until Dawn. I am really excited for like a really schlocky 1980s uh, style slasher uh, horror experience that plays like Heavy Rain. I'm actually kind of okay with that if it just goes completely bananas and isn't pretentious at all. I'm totally on board with that game. Like that's a game I want to see more of. So like, basically, not designed by Quantic Dream. Yeah. I think David Cage and I will get into a fight if we find each other at E3. Like you'll just you'll just hear like the Street Fighter music start, and I'll just Hadouken him. Like I, I, just... I actually hope it's Guile's theme. I would pay money to see that. Well, it goes with everything. So. Yeah, it, it does, does go. It does, with it does go with Rob kicking David Cage's ass. I mean, that, I, I mean, I like David Cage's games, but you know. did you like Beyond Two Souls? Actually, I haven't played it yet. I so, want to. So you liked two of the three games that he's made. Well, considering that that's the two I've actually played, that means I've liked 100% of the Quantic Dream games I've played. <laughs> You're so I've liked zero of the three games he's made. Yeah, if we want to talk, uh, that would have been a good topic to bring up in the objectification of women. Yes, we want to use not... nudity for the right purposes. Then why is Madison just running around top? As, as I suggested earlier, you can consume your media while still acknowledging it's more delicious That's true. That's true. I just. And uh, I had a bigger issue, and again, being, you know, the. Being the target audience for Heavy Rain, my bigger issue was not the horrible presentation of Madison. It was the horrible presentation of the main twist in the story, which is they cheated. Yep. How did the, how did Madison get out of that burning building? I still want to know. She just got into a refrigerator and some suddenly she was on the bottom floor. It's like, why didn't you just go to the bottom floor to begin with? <laughs> she just walk. Uh, so I'm excited for Until Dawn. That's a title I want to know more about. Um super stoked for the pillars of eternity expansion yeah i, I want to go see that with you i mean that's that's a game that i'm going to pick up after witcher uh, has done taking over my life and uh, the original sin enhanced edition uh, well i'm playing that with you so that you can hold my hand and make sure that i know what the hell i'm doing no i mean i want to go see that at e3 yes um i i don't know there's not a whole lot really jumping out at me right now that i'm super like deus ex i'm excited to see certainly uh fallout 4 just like you're saying super stoked to see that but i want something that i haven't seen before you know what i mean like i don't get me wrong i love bloodborne i'm gonna love the bloodborne dlc whenever i get to see it but i'm getting restless like i want something new i want something i haven't seen before yeah yeah i'm gonna pick up the new batman game you know what it's gonna be just like the last batman game it's gonna be fun tell you what when Hopefully they announce the two new metroid games you'll get something new wait do K do caitlin and i agree on batman arkham city uh, no, I mean the last one technically not designed oh, by Rock Study. Okay. Yeah, Rock Study doesn't even like acknowledge Arkham the last City. one. I, yeah, I, lo Arkham I love Arkham City. City. It's not as good as Arkham Asylum. I think you're actually going to hate Arkham Knight because everything I've read says that it's even more stuff. Yeah, I, th I, I think that game's Which, getting a little too stuffified. And uh, that's... As long as it's good, I don't care. Like, I think, I think... you know, Here's the thing that I found different about Arkham City versus Assassin's Creed. Everything I did in Arkham City was fun. Everything I do in Assassin's Creed feels like work. <laughs> that uh, I, can, I can definitely agree with you. I, I... I felt like Batman versus a glorified messenger boy slash occasional part-time assassin. Part-time assassin who's not very like, stealthy. <laughs> assassinating people by jumping off rooftops should not feel tedious. <laughs> like... That is inherently one of the most exciting things you can do. Wearing a hood and jumping on people with hidden knives should be the most exciting thing you can do. 
If we and start... it feels horrible. I Your feel biggest like... enemy in those games are the rooftops. Uh, the, the rooftops and the hay bales. I still think yeah. 2 was pretty good. but Yes. No, 2 was good. 2 was the best as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Caitlin looking forward to at E3. Yeah, Caitlin, what are you looking forward to? Uh, what I'm looking forward to is what better happen is there better be a North American release date for Xenoblade X. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I get that in Nintendo I think there Direct. has to be, yeah. That's, that's my number one. I also want to see more of Deus Ex. I'd like to see mm-hmm. in-game footage instead of a obviously highly processed, uh, you know, movie. Yeah. I'd like to see how it's actually going to look when you're playing it. Um, yeah. Fallout 4 would be great. Anything on Fallout 4 would be great. I th- you know, I, I'm actually sort of thinking Fallout 4 is going to be just a CG trailer and no gameplay. I'm kind of with you. I'm thinking that they will demo privately some gameplay, but uh, yeah. I think at their conference it's going to be that CG trailer that supposedly was made by like Guillermo del Toro or whatever. His yeah, production it, they're going to do it similar to what they did with the original Fallout 3 reveal, where you got to see it behind closed doors, but it wasn't shown to the public until the year the year that it came out. Because uh, I feel like Bethesda is really upping Doom, which I'm all for because I love Wolfenstein. Like I'm glad I replayed that game. Wolfenstein last is a fantastic that game. Is such a good game. That is a game that looks like generic stupid bro shooter. Generic stupid bro shooter. <laughs> Steven just deflated. I just deflated. Wolfenstein, by all accounts, should not be as good as it is. It looks like generic bro shooter, and it's like a thoughtful, interesting, really fun action game. Yeah, that and there's another game where you kind of. You, the two characters have a sexual relationship and then their relationship continues for the rest of the game. And it was actually that, that game is way too tender. Like if you had told me that a Wolfenstein game was going to make me feel the emotions, I would have said you were crazy. Somehow they did it. It was bastards. Um, I would love to get a dragon quest seven announcement on three DS. I know it's not going to happen and I'm upset about it. I, I, no, I, I think we might get eight, but not seven. I think we're gonna get eight just to spite. Unless, unless they do like a huge like, sorry, we've kept you waiting. We're gonna bring seven and eight. I just and also announcing awesome. Dragon Quest. Please look 11. forward to it. So, yes. You know what? I'm not gonna lie. I really want a second chance to play Dragon Quest Eight because like that is a great game. In hindsight, dude. I think I will love that game. That game is so good. Um, but I just I don't understand Square Enix's whole thing with like Nintendo has to be the one to bring out Dragon Quest in the West. I I. Wow, I didn't. Even, I'm a poet, and I don't even know it. Uh, I, uh... I, I just don't. I, I don't like that. Now, Square Enix has been doing better, so maybe they'll, I don't know, grow a pair and just release it in America because I think it will do well. Just do it, yeah. damn it. Well, they've. This is the same thing. It's like it has been proven that games like Bravely Default, like quote-unquote traditional Japanese RPGs, are a thing people want when they are done well and not tropey and garbagey. Unfortunately, Bravely Default gets kind of tropey, but yeah, it's, like, it's, it's, it's a thing we want. And I'm really tired of hearing like marketers say, well, you know, just just uh, Western gamers just don't want RPGs anymore. Like, yet, ah! It's like all yes. those people like <clears throat> Konami who are like, nobody wants another traditional Castlevania. <laughs> nobody wants this. Mega Man. Shut up! Yeah, then we like, get bloodstained like, breaking records left blood and right. Stain that hit. They were like, maybe if it hits three million, we'll have a Wii U version. I'm like, I'll see you on Wii U. Well, just look like look at how many RPGs are on the horizon that people are excited for. Not just oh, this is my top five list of anticipated RPGs. This is my top five list of anticipated games. Period. 
Right. Most yeah. people, a lot of people, I'm sure, had Witcher 3 up there. I know Xenoblade's up the top. Deus Ex is very up there. Just in terms of, like, games, period, that I want now. Yeah, definitely. All right. I think that we are on the verge of another, you know, this is the year of the RPG. Or, I mean, maybe that's a little bit, you know, presumptuous. But it feels like it. There's just so many awesome RPGs, JRPGs, Western RPGs on the horizon that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I feel like every year I say, like everyone's like, it wasn't a great year. And I'm like, man, I played a lot of great stuff this year. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I, I feel like that is like we just now had a post on one of our boards where someone was like, I feel like there's not enough. There's like terrible games this year. And I'm like, I have played so many fantastic games this year already. OK, to be fair, Neil has played a lot of bad games for the site. No, 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 absolutely. I, I th- <laughs> we should have given him Witcher 3. <laughs> we we, we <laughs> thank you weird... for your sacrifice. Yeah, yeah he makes... I don't know. Like... Neil takes one for the team almost constantly. Yeah. Everybody should tell Neil that he is the man for playing cleanup crew. Yeah. All right, so I guess we'll do at least one episode from E3, because uh, the E3 uh, live show was really fun last year, especially the part where I just fall asleep midway through it. Well, fortunately, this year we'll have more time, so we won't have to do it when everyone's asleep. Yes, yes. Um, okay, Derek's asking about uh, predictions. Everybody predictions get fun. One, if I don't get out of here in 10 minutes, my wife is going to kill me. So let everybody so go. So 11 minutes, everybody. Let's do it. Everybody gets one prediction, Stephen. I hate you. Everybody one prediction. Go, Stephen first. This, no, Derek first. No, Derek is, this, is this a prediction or a thing we want to see? I thought it was something we wanted to see. Oh, you should show what you want to see, and then we'll do predictions. Okay. Do, do Derek, what do you want? <laughs> oh, God. Rob, Rob will shot. actually die. Um, no, I want to see. Um, I want to see some more on Star Ocean Five. Um, I'm not loving like some of the character designs I've seen, like the weird busty sorceress with the green hair, especially. But oh, yeah. um, I want to see more Ooh. Star Ocean Five because I haven't played a good. You know, like, I, I think that ser- that series always has great combat. Three and four, especially four. Four has phenomenal combat and not so great everything else. So I want to see more Star Ocean Five. I want to see more Persona Five. I think we might see a trailer, but that's it. Um, and I would love to see, because uh, XSEED announced a couple of games today, um, a new Corpse Party, and then Earth Defense Force, which is really strange for them. But um, they did say they have more announcements coming, and I would love to see them announce Tokyo Xanadu for U.S. release. It's um, Xanadu was another one of Falcom's like long-running RPG series, and the most recent one was Xanadu Next on PC, and Engage, which actually released in North America. Um, so this was like many, many years ago, but Tokyo Xanadu is like their upcoming, it's like a combo um, dungeon crawler action RPG that I think looks really cool. So I'd love for them to announce that. And then just like the usual everything, you know, I want to see like Final Fantasy 15, but we won't. Um, Heaven's Word for Final Fantasy 14 comes out like the week after E3 or rather like, I think it's that weekend. Like we get you, we get home from E3 and that expansion is out. So yeah, it's okay. That's it. I'll stop there. All right. I also want to see Persona 4 dancing all night. I am irrationally excited for that game. Yeah, it's a rhythm game and has good music, so what's yes. that to like? And they've already revealed some of the songs, and I've heard the full version of Backside of the TV, which is the song that plays when you're like in the mustering zone in Persona 4, <laughs> with a Lotus Juice rap, and it's awesome. Every day. Destiny, I'm not singing that, but yeah, it's awesome. Super excited for that game. All right, make a prediction. Rob, go. Prediction. Uh, I think Persona 5 will be at the Sony press conference. I hope so. I think that it would be wise for them to focus I think on that. I think that is a big get for them, and they will show oh, Persona right. 5. Oh, I have a prediction. I predict that The Last Guardian will not be shown. 
And this will be the year they show. In other news, the sky is blue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that. Damn it! You stole mine. That'll Did be, I? That that's my prediction that Persona Five will be at the Sony press conference, and then what I want to see. <sighs> what do I want to see? I mean. I guess Fallout 4. Like, I, I want to see more than just a trailer. I, I want to see, like, actual gameplay. So, maybe if I had friends who were now working at Bethesda, they might be able to get me back there. Just saying. I don't work at Bethesda. I, can't I know you don't work at Bethesda. <laughs> I was like, are you talking to me? Because nope. I don't work in nope. the Nope, not game. talking to you, Steven. <laughs> okay. You know what I would like to see or hear more than anything else, but it probably won't happen because Square Enix. Is this a... Oh, so this is like what you want to see, not a prediction. Uh, I'm trying to rack my brain for predictions, and I'm not coming up with anything that hasn't already been said. See, the last Guardian will be at E3. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that way we got all of our bases covered. But like I want to be right. Nonsense! Like she's trying to undermine. <laughs> One dollar. Yeah. <laughs> but what were you um, going to say? I was going to say I want Final Fantasy 12 HD. Yeah. Oh yes, I would love for that, especially if it's anything. the Zodiac version. I would I love really that game. Never yeah. wanted an HD remaster more. Yes, uh, there's I only it to be one. The PS4, but it probably will only be PS4, 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 there, PS4. There's only one Final Fantasy HD remaster I want more than twelve, and it's Final Fantasy IX, right. and that ain't coming. Oh my God, Square says they're announcing something big and surprise. What if it's a Final Fantasy IX remake instead of seven? Screw everybody else. That would be amazing. I would actually be really okay with that. Right? Yeah. But not not because it's instead of seven, but I would just be happy. With yeah, it. like I would like both eventually. But my prediction is that they will not show anything from Kingdom Hearts three, and that's because nope. they've said they're going to share more information in November. I right. want my prediction to be wrong, and in in my head, I'm like, all right, Sony's talking to Square, and they're like, yo, we need to show something. And I know Kingdom Hearts is multi platform, but you should totally come up with a new CG trailer. I don't care if it's another CG trailer. I just want something. But my prediction is that there will be nothing. And oh, oh, I have a prediction. I predict that we'll get more behind the scenes of Mass Effect 4, but no footage. No oh, game yeah. footage. No, I, th- or... I think you're going to see Mass Effect 4. I disagree with you, Caitlin. Really? You're going to see it. I hope so. You're going to see it. I, and also, I'm is this. Catching my bets there. Is it going to be Mass Effect 4 sequel or Mass Effect 4 set in a new time period? Whatever. It'll be Mass Effect some other title. It will not okay. be Mass Effect 4. Okay. But I, I think I, the, I, I think they have to show something. I mean, I want them to. Don't get me wrong. I would love that. But the based on where they were last year and that kind of like ridiculous, like here's here's a bread, here's a hand holding for you. Here's a little, you know, be happy. We're working on it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, we will soon be there. We will soon. Can't wait. We will soon have answers to all the questions, and good things will happen. Uh, for everybody, uh, thanks again for listening to the show. Uh, be sure to give us some questions. I totally forgot to get the iTunes reviews up, so I will do that next time. So keep giving us iTunes reviews. I will totally show your names out on the E3 show. I promise I'm an idiot and forgot to do it this time. We'll make Rob get drunk on scotch and say your names. That's I like this guy. Why can't I get Dragon Quest Seven? All right, we got to wrap up. I want to go play Splatoon. Oh, God. (laughs) All right. For Steven, Caitlin, and Derek, thanks again, and we will see you all later. See you after E3. Please look forward to it.